Man, we are so glad to have you. Thank you so much for choosing uh, Lindsay Lane North to be where you spend uh, Mother's Day. And we are, we're thankful for all the mothers in the room. And so we have a special surprise for you that may or may not work. We've been praying over this for some time, all right? But we've got some kiddos that are armed with some gifts for all of our mothers. So kids, y'all go ahead, find your moms. Find your moms, walk together if you're... That's cute, guys. Y'all are holding hands and... It's wonderful. Y'all are doing great. Find your moms. You can give her a hug. Oh, Cooper, you got showed up. (laughs) Moms, you might have to help them out. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. All right. And y'all can make your way back. All right. If, if we have, I know obviously these are not the only moms in the room. If you are a mom, we've got some uh, gentlemen that would like to bring you a flower as well. So would you just raise your hand and let us know, hey, I, I'm a mom. I want to um, just let us know. And so we'll bring around some more daisies there. There we go. We got some hands. We got some preschool mamas and then mamas of older folk, older kids too. So oh, about to lose a daisy. There we go. No. <clears throat> Hey, the kid thing worked out pretty well, Will. That's, uh, sometimes a plan comes together. Unlike the video, where am I? <laughs> I want to say, too, thank you. If you're a mom uh, joining us online as well, we're sorry. We are, consider this our digital daisy that we're, we're giving to you as well. Uh, we are thankful for you joining us as well online. And so we know we've got many that tune in through the week. And so we appreciate, uh, we appreciate you uh, as well. Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. We got, got a couple more over here. Y'all doing a great job, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. All right. Is that Everybody? Awesome. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, church. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, we thank you, uh, Lord, for our moms. God, we thank you for the investment of so many, uh, God, so many selfless hours, so many, uh, uh, God, just uh, long nights. Uh, Lord, everything that's been done, uh, Lord, to get us where we are today. And so, Father, we, uh, we pray as we get the opportunity to celebrate, God, that this is a message, uh, Lord, not just for moms, but God, for all of us. Uh, Lord, your word is consistent. And your word is clear. And so, Father, I pray that you would teach us today uh, truth from your word and maybe be changed by it. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to be honest with you guys today. Uh, There are special occasions that I enjoy preaching and that come easy to me. Mother's Day. Not one of them. I, I've always thought it was interesting. Like I've seen my dad and mentors in my life, Brother Dusty, over the years, and uh, come and deliver Mother's Day messages. And in the back of my head, okay, in the back of my head, there's this thought, right? Because I, I, you know, I think being raised a preacher's kid, there's always a little bit of cynicism in, in everything. Uh, and and I, this little thought in the back of my head that I, I don't voice it, but I think it is: 
you have no idea, big boy. Like, you don't know what it's like to be a mom. You can't, it's hard for you to preach to moms because you, you don't know what it's like. And I feel myself in the same way uh, experiencing some of those uh, feelings as well. So to embrace that, uh, I begin to float ideas of sermon titles to my wife over the week. Uh, to her lack of amusement, by the way, uh, I just... Obviously, like you know, I'm just I just wanted to embrace kind of the awkward of of a guy getting up and, and preaching a Mother's Day message, and so I just had some titles that I thought I, I probably should stay away from. Uh, she, I think she legitimately thought I was going to preach them for a little bit, uh, but I'm not. Um, anyway, uh, one was mothering. How can it be that difficult? See where I'm going with this? Oh. Um, I heard the collective sigh online as well. Uh, a man's advice on how moms can mother better. Okay? My personal favorite that I think, you know, is stated most succinctly is a, a dad's guide to being the perfect mother. All right? Thought, I thought those were, were, were great titles if I wanted to lose my job. So uh, I enjoy my job, and so I won't be preaching on those things. But we are preaching in Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, I am, that didn't go over as well. I thought there would get some giggles, but there was more uncomfortable. The men knew, like, I'm not going to laugh at them. The wives weren't going to laugh at it. But the men, um, I think, were afraid of what would happen if they did. So, uh, so anyway, uh, but I am, I'm really excited to get to share with you guys. I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of I, I, I copped out a little bit. I, I, I am not preaching my opinion. Uh, I am preaching an opinion of a woman that is invested most likely in the wisest man to ever live. As I was preparing for my message, uh, I noticed on Twitter that mom goals, hashtag mom goals was trending. And so I got curious, right? So I went on Twitter and I started looking mom goals. Uh, There was all kinds of things about mom goals. I saw um, what a mom looked like after so many kids or having a kid so uh, soon after the picture was taken and wow, she looks amazing, hashtag mom goals. Uh, I saw moms commenting on number of kids. There's a, they have a ton of kids and she always looks well put together and everything. Hashtag mom goals. Uh, I saw people that were appreciating their own mothers and the investment of time that they had put in. Hashtag mom goals. I also saw women that had a legacy of children that they had raised and the remarkable adults that they turned out to be with the hashtag mom goals. And I thought every one of these are driven by comparison. This is what social media does to us, is it not? Like we begin to look at social media and we begin to compare ourselves to the best of what everybody wants you to see. That's what we compare ourselves to. And so, and so sure, like, yeah, they look, they looked great in the picture, but it doesn't show what they looked like when they woke up at 3 a.m. with the baby crying, right? It didn't show those pictures. It doesn't show those sorts of things. And so when we get in this trap of comparison, we have to be careful to understand that we are never called to compare ourselves with anybody. We call, we're called to compare ourselves to the standard of God's word. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's what we find in, uh, excuse me, in Proverbs chapter 31, we see excellence recognized. Excellence recognized. This is what it says, Proverbs 31 verse 1. This is interesting to me. We know Proverbs 31 to be about the virtuous woman or the excellent woman. We don't hear this 
often, though. Proverbs 1, beginning in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this King Lemuel. Chances are he, it was King Solomon. This was King Solomon, like the rest of the book. This was written by King Solomon according to what this is special from all the other texts and that this is what his mom taught him. This is the mother of King Lemuel. At, uh, at least this was someone, a king that had a connection with Solomon and that Solomon valued. If this was another king, this is the only reference to a King Lemuel that we have in the Bible. So maybe it was a king that Solomon looked up to And he heard what his mama told him on a day gone by, right? And so either way, we don't don't really know, but this is words, this is advice from a mother, right? So you're not hearing advice from a guy today, ladies. You're hearing a a word of advice from a mother of a very, very wise king. And this is what he says in verse 3. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. What we have in chapter 31 is a comparison. We have a comparison of the woman who would bring destruction on a king and we have the story and and what it looks like, the standard of a woman who would bring value and virtue to the relationship. That there's both of them. I think it's interesting as well, if this is King Solomon. What does it say there in verse 1? That this is an oracle of his mother that he taught him. Oracle literally meaning a prophetic word. Something that he should look out for in the future. And if we know our Bible, 1 Kings chapter 11 tells us that Solomon, his downfall, though being the most prosperous king in all the history of Israel, that he would pursue foreign women And it would ultimately bring about his destruction. That he would be destroyed by the women that his mama warned him about. That the mom, this this faithful mother's instruction would turn out to be prophetic in the king's life. And so this is from a mother to a mother. This is a woman's wisdom. Proverbs 31, 10 through 12, the text that we all know and recognize. Listen to what it says in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does good to him and not harm all the days of her life. Again, this is in the context of a king speaking to his sons. And so it's through a masculine perspective. But this woman, this excellent woman is immensely valuable and can add value to the life of these sons. Excellent in the Hebrew has a ton of different interpretations. Uh, Excellence can mean virtue. So you look at someone like Ruth, who is described as an excellent woman or a virtuous woman. The word virtue uh, there, your translation may say a virtuous woman wife who can find, right? And so it can mean virtue. It can mean character. It can mean integrity, but it can also imply strength and not just strength in the, the mental or emotional sense, but strength in the physical sense. This same word is used to describe David's mighty men 
in, in the Old Testament. That David's mighty men, these incredible warriors who stood in the gap for their king that would, that would perform incredible acts, right? Like Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, who in, happened to find himself in, the pit, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Suffice to say, you find yourself in a pit with a line on a snowy day, things have gone wrong in your day, right? And things, by the way, things are about to get a lot worse. Uh, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, and so what does he do? Instead of getting torn to ribbons, he decides to kill the lion, right? So this man, this, this strong, excellent man, virtuous man, destroys a lion trapped in a pit, He is trapped in the pit with a lion and destroys this lion instead of the lion devouring him. This is the same word that we have for the virtuous woman. That not just strong in an emotional or or a, 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 uh, a very intangible sense, but in a very, very real sense, strength. That, it, that comes from this virtuous woman. So an excellent wife, this excellence is the standard that God has placed for the women. And, and I, would, I would go as far as to say the men as well in her life. But in this context, speaking of the women in advising these young men, in advising the king's sons, this is who you are to look for. What they're telling us is that there is little that's more valuable than putting faith in the right woman. For a young man to know, a a great wise saying is that there is little that is more valuable than putting faith in the right woman. But the reverse of that is also true, according to verse 1, or excuse me, verse 3. Because there is little that's more destructive and putting faith in the wrong woman. And placing your trust. Not all women are excellent. Not all men, by the way, are excellent. Right? And so, and so this is the standard that God has placed in order for us to put our trust in. Now, this is interesting as well. Because this is the only place in Scripture where mankind is ever allowed in Scripture to put their trust in anything but God. It never shows up anywhere else. And in fact, every other place in Scripture, when we see man putting their faith in anything other than God, we see it ending poorly for them. Some trust horses, some trust chariots, but I will trust the name of the Lord, right? This is a trend that we see over and over with this one exception. That the heart of the husband trusts in the excellent wife and he will have no lack of gain. A promise associated with this wisdom of putting your trust in the right woman. So what does it mean to, to be this woman, to, to meet this standard of excellence, this goal for us, not just as women but as men as well, the first thing that we see as we see it detailed in our life is excellence regarding work. Excellence regarding work. Look at Proverbs 31, verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Now, there's a lot in chapter 31 that does not apply today. There is context 
four miles. We are not having to wake up early in the morning to prepare breakfast because we have microwaves, right? And we have toasters, right? And we have cereal and Captain Crunch, amen, right? So, so there is tons that are contextualized. Women are not having to stay up at all hours of the night spinning flax, for instance, right? These are not things that happen often. And so there are miles and miles of context here, but look at the last part of verse 13. And she works with willing hands. Notice what it says of the excellent woman. She doesn't work with begrudging hands. She doesn't work with hands that are forced. She works with willing hands. Proverbs 31, 14 through 27 details how this woman willfully meets the needs of everyone she comes in contact with, willfully giving of herself, sacrificing, laying down her life, laying down what she would prefer in order to meet the needs of others. And we know that the role of women has changed somewhat in in our day and in our culture. But we see here that she meets the needs first of those in her home. Those in in her immediate needs. Now, what we're not saying here, that the the truth in this is not that all women should be stay-at-home moms and and do what they're told and all of those things that we we like to joke about, guys and things. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is that she meets the needs. And as she willfully meets needs, she meets the needs of those closest first. By the way, this is what God has called us to do. As we meet needs, we meet needs of those closest. We've been called to all, but we meet needs of those that are closest. And so there's so much contextualized, waking up early for food, making clothing for themselves. Um, very few women are probably buying and selling vineyards, right? There's, there's a lot of things that are context here, but the idea is that the woman is to live with her family in a way that is sacrificial, in a way that is laying down what she would desire or how she might prefer to spend their time, and she does it willingly. A mom and wife's work in the home is not always witnessed, but it is always obvious. It's not always applauded, men. It's not always applauded, amen. We can do better at that. This is where you say amen. Hey, y'all, the, 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 the flower was my idea, not y'all, so that doesn't get you anywhere. So say amen right there. Amen. That's right, good. It's not always applauded as it should be, but it is always apparent. You know what I think about when I think about my mom and I think about how I was raised? I think about in middle school, let's be honest, big boy was going through an awkward phase <laughs> in every way, shape, form, and fashion. And I'm, I remember my mom carrying me to school and she was flat out preaching to me. She would preach God's word to me. Alan, this is what God's word says about you. This is what God's word says about who you are. This is why it's important. This is how you apply it to your life. And I was prayed up, bobbled up every single day. I would go to school and I was, I was really not looking forward to it, right? I was dreading going to school. But over the course of time, over that 15 minute drive, my mom had me prayed up and ready to go. That story and what she did has never been shared till this time. My mom has gone over 20 years without anybody knowing that she ever did that. And most people, 
And many things that she's done you may never know about. It's not always witnessed, but it's obvious. In Lick Skillet, we have a saying, that guy or that gal has good raisins. You know what that means? That means they had a mother, they had a father that was willing to sacrifice and to sow in and to invest in their family in order to get them to the place that they are today. I am so thankful for the private investment of my mother because I wouldn't be here today without that investment. It's not always applauded, but it is always apparent. And so there's excellence Regarding those in her home, there's excellence, those outside their home. Proverbs 31, verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy, right? That she doesn't just meet the needs in the home, but she meets the needs of everybody, right? She's wanting to make sure that everybody has the opportunity, right, to to be invested in. And when I think about that, I think about my bride. I think about my wife, that I am the face guy. I am the guy that's walking around in the spotlight. I'm doing it right now, right? I'm the guy on stage. I'm the guy that people see. But I want you to know every time that you've seen me, it's because my wife is invested as well. Because I've tried to do things with all three of my kids, and it don't always work out. But my wife has invested in this community in ways that you may never, ever, ever know. And I may come home and I may be tired and I may be beat, but I come home to a wife that has invested just as much as I ever thought of in being at home allowing me to serve. And listen, we don't. she doesn't just serve at home. Man, sometimes she takes those kids on the road. Now, sometimes we get that free grandparent child care, right? But we take the show on the road too. She serves right along with me. Some of my sweetest times in ministry is being able to serve side by side with my wife. And so just because you don't always see her, I want you to understand that there is nobody more invested in what we're doing in this church than my bride. Nobody. And I am immensely blessed that I have somebody that would allow me to do what I do in ministering to the people that God has called me to because she's called right alongside me. The excellent woman in your notes is characterized by self-sacrifice instead of self-serving. Self-sacrifice instead of self-serving. The great danger of the feminist movement is that they diminish the sacrificial aspect in a, in a desire to gain all that they can of the respect and all that they can of the notoriety and all that they can of the acclaim. And listen, I believe that women should get credit for what they're doing. The great danger of this is that they diminish the sacrificial aspect of a woman's life and they preach to live for yourself. And so I don't care if you're a feminist or a chauvinist, if you are living for yourself, you're wrong. If you're living to meet the needs of yourself, if you're living to advance yourself, you are not advancing the gospel. You are working outside of the realm of what God would intend for your life. The theme of scripture, it is God who fights our battles for us. We don't fight them on our own. There's nothing of worth within us. He fights for us. And so we lay down our life in incredible submission to see that he is brought glory 
because the excellent woman is characterized by self-sacrifice instead of self-serving. Number two, we don't just see excellence in her work. We see excellence regarding her worry. Proverbs 31, 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Strength and dignity, again, this word, right, this, this, this not just a emotional strength, but a, a physical strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. In your notes, the excellent woman views the future with anticipation instead of anxiety. Anticipation of what can come instead of fear of what could happen. I've seen men and women, dads and moms alike, that believe it's their job to worry about their kids. That it's their calling in life to be concerned with everything they're doing. And listen, I'm not talking about being negligent or not knowing what's going on, right? But it is not our job. There is nothing, nothing profitable about anxiety and worry. There's nothing profitable about it. At its very best, it's worthless. It changes nothing And so the excellent woman views the future not with anticipation, not with thoughts of anxiety of, oh my goodness, I hope my kids turn out well, or oh my goodness, I hope this situation comes, but trusting God to provide. And when he does, she in faith saw it coming all along. Not fear of doom and despair, but looking forward to the victory because, listen, she is vested. She trusts in the Lord. And so worry is at its best, profitless. At its worst, worry doubts God and seeks to find one's own way over God's. Seeking God's time, our timing over God's. Instead of trusting in God to meet our needs, we begin to get in the driver's seat and meet needs for ourselves, whatever that means. But mom goals, as God defines it, is one that understands that everything that we have ever needed has already been provided for us. It's been provided. It's been provided for you, moms, dads. It's been provided for your kids. And for your family to receive that means that we make sure we do everything in our power to saturate them in the presence of God. We will spend so much time investing in so many things that will not live past Man, listen, do you know how many trophies I have at home from when I was a kid growing up? How many t-ball trophies? How many coach pitch trophies? How many little league trophies? How many even growing up into school ball? I can't tell you what my rec- our record was in baseball my senior year of high school. I can't tell you that. I don't know. There are so many things that we invest so much in. But instead of trusting God to meet spiritual needs in their life, we replace it with our own selfish worry. I hope it turns out okay. But it's not just themselves. My wife and I have had this conversation on multiple occasions. 
yeah, Alan, but what about the world that my kids are going to grow up in? Have you thought about that as a parent? I mean, this world is spiraling downward quickly by the way God's word called it, that it would. But instead of seeing your kids as ill-equipped, the excellent woman, the excellent man, the excellent father, invest in their children, and they don't have to worry about what happens in their kid's life because they have put the investment in on the front end of God's word, of God's truth. They know who they are. And can I tell you something, parents? Can I just, and, and this, is, this is truth for me that I need to preach to myself. My kids have been placed in time, space, history for the time that they are in. God is sovereign. God knit, knit them together in their mother's womb knowing that they would be born and raised in this time. What that tells me is they are uniquely gifted apart from me, apart from their mama. They are uniquely gifted to grow up in the day that they're in. They are called to be light and salt. You don't do that unless there's darkness. You don't need light unless there's darkness. You don't need flavor unless there's flavorlessness. God has put them together. If this was a puzzle, if it was a giant 500-piece uh, puzzle of history, my kids, Cooper, Hudson, and Maddie, are a specific piece made to fit in a specific place to make kingdom difference in the time and place that God has called them to lead. And for us to worry about that future is to lack trust in God that he can do what he's done for us and what he can do in them. God has uniquely gifted them to reach the generation that they were grown up in. So don't see it with anxiety. Don't see it with, with caution or, 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 or worry yourself to death on it. Trust God that he knows what he's doing. What if God is using your children to reach this generation, this next generation with the gospel? Finally, not just excellence in work and excellence regarding worry, but thirdly, excellence regarding wisdom. Look at verse 26 and 27. She opens up her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. You know what I've determined? One of my, one of my mentors used to say this. Wisdom doesn't always come with age. Sometimes people just get older. They don't get any wiser, they just get older. Philosophers of days gone by would sit and they would spend hours, days, weeks, years of their life contemplating these abstract ideas of knowledge. Wisdom is different than knowledge in that wisdom doesn't concern itself so much with yesterday as it does with today. In your notes, the excellent woman searches out wisdom for today instead of the wise from yesterday. Wisdom from God doesn't come from getting your questions answered, but trusting God regardless. And so what wisdom does, and look at the, the, the Proverbs 31 woman, right? She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue and she looks well at the, what, the affairs of her household. What is that? That's present obedience, in her wisdom, she's taken what she's learned from her past and she's applied it to her present and her future. 
Instead of worrying, instead of being anxious, understanding that God's got it under control. And so she busies herself with being obedient to what God's called her to today. She takes knowledge gained and she applies it to today. The trick of wisdom is that it is knowledge gained yesterday, but applied to today. And so you can spend your whole life riddled with mistakes of your past and you can allow your shame and you can allow your guilt to dictate everything that you do. But praise God, the gospel found us where we are. The gospel finds us where we are at. And the gospel is not concerned about what you've done. But it's concerned about the sacrifice of the one who paid that debt for you. And so wisdom is always found in obedience. Wisdom impacts the present and the future, not the past. And so what would Paul say? Paul says, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind me and I press forward to the mark of the prize of the high calling, right? I don't care what was behind. God doesn't care about your past in so much as you are willing to give it to him. Give over your old self and let him radically change your present and your future. This is the exchange that God offers through the gospel. What a deal. And so rather than looking for reasons of why things happened the way that they happened yesterday, instead of focusing and, and, and spending so much time on our past, whether that be pain, whether there be sin, whatever the case may be, the wise woman, the excellent woman focuses that knowledge, and applies it wisely to obedience today. Lastly, we see excellence revealed. Proverbs 31, 28 through 30. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is too be praised. If there was a theme verse for Proverbs, you know what it is? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I said earlier, I expressed earlier that this is curious. It's curious that God would allow man to trust in something other than himself, but they trust in a faithful wife. They trust in the excellent woman. Why is the woman excellent in your notes? The excellent woman can be trusted because her trust has been placed in the Lord. The excellent woman, the trick of the excellent woman is that her excellence doesn't come from her. It doesn't come from her own merit. It doesn't come from her industry. It doesn't come from her effort. It comes from her willingness to be connected to a God who is most excellent. And so for us today, man or woman, if you desire to be an excellent mom, an excellent wife, an excellent woman, an excellent man, an excellent husband, an excellent father, it's gonna be found by putting your trust in the Lord and allowing him and watching him meet all our needs. My wife and I, 
we have this saying, we have this thing that we do. Uh, when we see God provide for us, we say this. It's not earth shattering. We just say this is why it's dumb to worry. This is why it's dumb to be concerned, right? And I'll never forget going into a meeting, a staff meeting at church. And I remember Brother Bradley rolling out middle of the year bonuses, now, that has never happened before, and that has never happened since. I didn't know that was a thing. But we were in significant need. And can I just tell you, we were worrying. We were in a bad way. And I remember getting that check, just laughing to myself, walking out of that room, taking a picture of that check and sending it to my bride and saying, this is why it's dumb to worry. God's got it all taken care of. The wisest thing I can tell you, man, woman, teenager, or child, is to put your trust in the one who loves you and has given himself for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? As we go into the time of invitation, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. We have counselors that would, are here that would love to talk to you about any decision that you need to make today. Maybe you're here and, and maybe there's never been a time in your life where you have connected yourself, you have trusted God to forgive you of your sin, that you've laid down your past and you've trusted God with your present and with your future. You've never made him the Lord of your life. And if you haven't done that, then my friend, excellence is not a gear that you possess. And it can be found in the arms of Christ through a relationship and a connection with him. And so if you're here today and you need to make a decision for Christ, I want you to respond. I want you to come find me here at the front as we, in a moment, when I say amen, you stand to your feet, find the center aisle, come find me. I'd love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Christ. Or maybe there's somebody that you need to pray for. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you just need to realign some priorities and things in your life. Maybe you need to find your place here at the altar just lay down whatever it is that's holding you back. Maybe you need to come for membership or baptism. Whatever the case may be, this is your time to respond to the message that you've heard today. A wise woman instructing the wisest man that ever lived says to put your trust one who is ultimately trustworthy. And so would you do that today? Would you accept him at his word, regardless of who's here, regardless of what's going on around you, would you respond in obedience to him? Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for what you're teaching us and what you've done in this place. God, may you receive glory and honor and praise for it all. Lord, we love you and we pray that we would respond to your invitation today. No turning back. Though no one else come, God, that we would respond to you.